Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans. Welcome back to the, what did they call it? Oh, to the to the London is Blue restart podcast, project restart. Right. We're Reboot here. back. We did it. A hundred and some it. days later, we have a match to review. Nick, it's going to knock the rust off just like Chelsea did the first 20 minutes. So we might have to ask our listeners to bear with us while we've been creating content. A match review is different. We actually have to turn on our analytical brains a little bit. Yeah, our, our scripts over the last three months have been very loose. Uh, and so we're we're back to our normal... Our normal level of detail, we're going to get tactical, Dan, and it'll be fun. Yeah, and uh, I think to to do that, we're welcoming a brand new guest to the podcast as well. So we got Miles Surrey, who joins us, Chelsea supporter and staff writer for The Ringer, which is a wonderful collection of articles and podcasts, if you don't know about them. Miles, yeah. guys, sorry to say, welcome, sir. We're excited to, to have you on, but I think before we get into a lot of it, just kind of lay the groundwork for us and help our audience get to know you. You know, just a little bit of what's your Chelsea story and then a little bit about what you do at the Ringer and how we're going to kind of bring that fusion together today. Uh, yeah, so um, we're recording this on uh, Father's Day and then my dad was uh, the one to get me into soccer. He uh, actually uh, is an Arsenal fan. Um, <laughs> and when I was really, really young, um, I don't remember exactly how it went, but like he was telling me about Arsenal. He's tried to like sell me on it, but I was, even as like a little kid, I was a bit of a troll. So I was like, all right, so what are some of the clubs that um, Arsenal don't like? And 
I, if he had said Spurs, I probably would be a Spurs fan, but he was like, oh, they don't like some of the London clubs. And he mentioned Chelsea, you know, it's just like, that's my team. So at like five years old, for the pettiest reason, I became a Chelsea fan. But like to, to sell the bit, like I, I actually like really got into it. And uh, so, you know, guys like uh, Zola, Hasselbank, Desai, those were like, you know, my guys growing up. And, uh, you know, people like assume it's like a bandwagon thing. But it's like I was there before the oligarch came. Like, you know, we, we've obviously been riding better times now. But um, no, it's been it's been a fun ride. Well, you, you predate us. All right. And even though it might have started out as a troll, uh, it's clearly turned into something serious. And it's hard not to, especially post oligarch, as you said. Um, So I love that we're going to have plenty of years of knowledge for you to pull from. And then again, just real quick time, you know, what is it you do at the ringer? What's kind of the, the your role there and maybe how we might see that poke its head up throughout this podcast. Uh, yeah. So um, even though I very occasionally blog about, about soccer and mostly the despair of being <laughs> a fan, um, I mostly cover pop culture. So TV and film, uh, you know, if there were still movies out in theaters, you know, that would probably be what I'd be covering in another timeline. You know, I'd have like 10 blogs on fast nine, <laughs> uh, things like that. <laughs> uh, so I figured, you know, being on this pod, might as well incorporate some of that pop culture into uh, talking about uh, Chelsea and uh, this this squad. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to let you and Dan and Nick hang out then because that is not my forte, but I'm excited to, to see how we get this to go. Uh, Nick, now that we're a little into the show, let's go ahead and throw out some goodies uh, for our audience here through Signables and do a little bluebird and keep, keep on moving. That's right. Yeah, so Signables, you guys have heard us talk about it them over the last couple of weeks as to improve the autograph experience. Um, they are kind of flat, compact collectibles, uh, have five Chelsea players that are available to purchase. Pulisic, a score of goals today. Uh, Conte, excellent performance. As Piliqueta, or Assist Piliqueta, which they should rename that one. Uh, William and Pedro, uh, there's 20% off using the code LIB20. So go to signables.com, hook that up. Absolutely, would appreciate that. And again, back to Bluebird Distilling. They are the ones on our last show that uh, sent us some goodies, some adult Treats. spirits, uh, as well as the winter hat and t-shirts to us. Uh, and again, Spottingham is a Chelsea fan. He sent that out of the goodness of his heart. We, out of the goodness of our heart, are saying, if you enjoy spirits... We would ask you to go check it out, bluebirddistilling.com. See what you think. Um, that's They're in Pennsylvania, so if you're local, go check it out. And then they distribute Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, a little bit in Illinois, and then obviously online, uh, you can make it happen. So again, just one of our own in the Chelsea community, we want to throw a little love back to. Uh, and then lastly, Dan, um, I don't know, maybe a friendly follower too? I mean, we've got <laughs> options. Right. We've got YouTube. We've been posting every podcast there. We may try to figure out how to do some live streaming on there as well for not midweek matches, but weekend matches. And then we've got Instagram and Facebook, just London Blue Pod or London's Blue Podcast. And yeah, trying to think about maybe rebooting the group that we got going there. But I think the most important group, uh, Patreon.com, London Blue Pod. Uh, huge Discord server action today. A lot of back and forth chatter cool. across the match. Uh, if you want to see a, flo- uh, a phone j- jump around like a bean, um, yeah, <laughs> it was doing that. Turn All on notifications. Uh, it was great. It's like a virtual pub is what it was for us today. It was fantastic. 
All right, there are a lot of things, but look, we're just trying to connect with you guys as best we can. All right, match review time. In case you missed it, you crazy, crazy person, Chelsea away at Villa, at Villa Park, in the Premier League. This was Frank Lampard's 100th match in as a manager. He's won 45 of his previous 99 games heading into this one. He In Derby County, Derby, he was 24-17, lost 16. Chelsea's win 21, draw 9, lost 12. Centurion going for the big dub on his 100th match. Uh, and we did the business. Aston Villa won, Chelsea 2. Here are the goals. We're going to run the highlights to you through the Fist Stand app. Subscribe. It's the only official app by Chelsea FC. Let's hear how it went. More than 100 days since the Blues last kicked a ball in competitive action. Chelsea are back. Frank Lampard turned 42 years old yesterday. His last game as a player here with Chelsea saw him become the club's all-time leading scorer. There will be a period of reflection for COVID-19 victims and key workers before we start. They will take a knee in support of Black Lives Matter. And Mount and hit this Mason Mount. Oh, it's a good save from Nylon. This is the standout moment of the first half of the first half. Alonso trying to stop him making any progress. Pass back to Douglas Luis was short, but he managed to get there anyway. Great save from Kepa, but where's the rebound going? It's in. Courtney Hawes gives Aston Villa the lead just before half time. Well, we've got to stay with our runners. Poor marking at the far post. No reaction. Header out as far as Kovacic. Oh, flashed wide and not by much. It's a great touch, isn't it? It's first touch and then the strike was superb. That's a good way to That's a great delivery and it is in for 1-1. And Christian Pulisic has made an immediate impact. This is on a plate for Pulisic. They don't deal with it, Villa. Now into Giroud, worked it back to Mason Mount. Laid it off for Azpilicueta. Here's Giroud, deflection, 2-1, yeah. just like that. The deflection then takes it past Nyland, and Chelsea are 2-1 up. Well, Christensen's missed it totally, and Hotter almost equalised with his first kick. Well, it's a decent enough try by Hotter. And there is the final whistle, and it is a winning start to project restart for Frank Lampard. It's final score here. Aston Villa 1, Chelsea 2. All right. So, Nick, 2-1. Off to a, a good start in terms of possession, but not finishing with Villa taking the early, early-ish early lead. Yeah, it was a um, your classic Chelsea this year, right? I mean, it's you dominate ball, you have some really good attacking movement, and then you get either countered or you get set-piece to death. And that was how... the how the restart happened for us, which was incredibly frustrating. Then uh, we had some changes by Lamps in the second half. Pulisic in the 60th minute, Drew in the 62nd minute, taking us all away. So I guess, Dan, I, I probably shouldn't have skipped you and said, set the scene for us with the lineup. Again, uh, again rust. we're rusty. Rust, there's there's right. rust being knocked off. This is a match review. It's a little different than what we've been talking about. But yeah, we got a lineup, our first lineup in 105 105- days and it was not what we entirely anticipated if you had listened to our episode earlier in the week where we kind of come up with some ideas for the lineup i I think uh, nick deserves a little credit i think i deserve a little credit brandon was there 
Um, so <laughs> Keppa between the sticks. Uh, we had back four of Rudiger Christensen as our center back pairing, Aspilicueta and Alonso on the wings. We had Ngolo Kante, Mateo Kovacic, and Mason Mount starting in the midfield. And then you had Olivier Drew on either side of him were William and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming in. First competitive match for Chelsea since May 12th, 2019. One plus year. Substitute bench. Remember, nine substitutes right now. Allowed on the bench. Maximum of five across three individual substitution periods. Willie Caballero, Kurt Zuma, Emerson, Billy Gilmore, Pedro, all of the unused substitutes. Reese James, Christian Pulisic, Ross Barkley, and Tammy Abraham all made appearances off the bench, Brandon. All right. Before you uh, talk about my line of predictions anymore... We did them before Lamps's presser, so we didn't get to hear about Reese and Tamori and this and that. So I've got excuses for days. So continuing on, all right, some of the high-level stats. Chelsea, as you can probably assume, had 74% possession, five sh- or 19 shots with only five on target. Villa had eight shots with four on target. Um Passes was 687 to 243. They actually out-tackled us, as you'd assume, with oh, the possession we had. They had 30 clearances. No big deal. All right. Uh, we had 10 corners. I don't know how many you'd consider successful. Uh, and then we conceded 17 fouls to their nine, which is a little interesting. But I think we'll talk about Gre- Jack Grealish a little bit later when it comes to fouling. So um, when we come to some themes and some highlights of this match, as we get into the nitty-gritty, uh, you know, Chelsea struggled in the first half. I think that's fair, Miles. If you if you take it in whole, I don't, my expectations weren't too high. I would say some of the people in Discord were a bit frustrated, which, hey, it's okay to have high standards for this team. But Austin Griffin on Twitter saying, what changes could be made in terms of team selection or in-game instruction that can lead us to converting our dominant possession into more goals being scored? That's what it all comes down to. We created opportunities, but we didn't convert anything. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the the rust is to be expected, um, especially with someone like Loftus-Cheek, who it's like added on rust the fact that he hadn't played for over a year and in a competitive match, which I do question kind of starting him from from the get-go if we're talking about the lineup. But um, it was kind of classic Chelsea this season, you know, a microcosm of kind of our struggles, especially against the bottom feeders, who tend to park the bus, they wait for a set piece, whether it's, um, you know, on the corners, you know, we haven't been good at zonal marking all season. Um, the uh, the goal, you know, Keppa probably could have done a better job. You know, he obviously made the save, but it went, you know, right into the middle of the pitch, which is not, uh, right into the middle of the box, which is not what you want. Um, but, you know, credit to Lamps. I mean, he, you know, things weren't working, so he got on a, uh, brought on um, Barkley and Pulisic pretty early in the second half. And there was an almost immediate impact. It was what, like five minutes after they came on that first goal went in. Then the second one was like less than two minutes later. So that was a, an efficient few minutes. Yeah, I was uh, kind of surprised. I, I, I definitely get the Brandon is our resident goalkeeper here. And so I think he'll have things uh, he'll want to say, cause he'll <laughs> typically jump in defense of a, of a goalkeeper. Uh, he's like a secret service agent. And anytime there is a word be smirched. But what I would say is the behind the goal look at the rebound 
when you see just how far away Christensen is and Rudiger is and Aspi is and Alonzo is and just no one in the box was anywhere near where the ball was was a pretty it's pretty damning Brandon when you kind of look at that and I just I felt like Keppa, anyone criticizing Keppa today for the goal was maybe maybe was a little hard done by that. I think he, you know, was not put in a position to succeed there. Yeah, and I'm not going to have nearly the ire with you guys as I did at Squawka, who right after he conceded said Keppa has now saved only 56.6 percent of the shots he's faced in the Premier League this season, the lowest rate among all Premier League keepers with 12 or more appearances, the world's most expensive goalkeeper, cheesy face, and I was like. That And I get they had it loaded, right? They were waiting to put this one out. That was not the goal to call out his shitty save percentage. Like, again, as I'm looking at the image, there's Keppa on his goal line. There are four Aston Villa players inside our six-yard box. Outside of said six-yard box are all Chelsea defenders with Dave inside but way to the, to the edge. So, look... Our players formed a nice umbrella around their players. Yes, we we definitely coddled them into the danger zone. He made Look, a we're good. We're not initial supposed st- to social distance on the pitch. Okay, that's yeah. not where social distancing is supposed to happen. Yeah, I get it. So all I'm saying is, like, I, I overall, I'm not defending him. I think that we need improvements in the area, but that was not the one to jump on his back. That's all. Um, but if we if we can kind of like move up the pitch a little bit. I wasn't sure N'Golo Conte was going to play today. He was hesitant about coming back to training, Nick, rightfully so. Frank even talked about it before the match, that he had nothing but empathy for the guy. Um, They're like, you know, he hasn't played as many minutes. We're not really sure how match fit he is. Um, Oh, damn. Oh, damn, N'Golo. What did you do? And this is funny timing because we got the stats bomb heat map of his skills comparing him to Partey. Bruh. (laughs) and go Conte. holy shit yeah that's it that's all you need to say (laughs) he doesn't even need to talk now (laughs) i i love this dude so much he's my he's probably my favorite player on the team and to see him come back and look like he did pre-injury last year was was stunning to me Uh, i mean and you know, I think one one thing I can take away, Miles, from N'Golo Conte's performance today was not only the fact that he was all over the pitch making tackles, man-marking Grealish out of the game like a boss, like was was basically you know glue on that on that dude. He also, in the 90th minute, as Chelsea were chasing a really important game, was the one pressing um, Villa's goalkeeper to to get rid of the ball and make a terrible error. So I, I just the energy and the sustained endurance for a dude who hasn't been healthy in a long time uh was incredibly impressive. And I know we're all worried about injuries right now because in the Bundesliga they're up something like two hundred percent or more than that. But man, what a refreshing uh change of events for Chelsea there. Yeah, it's also nice because um you know, after the Werner transfer and you know the rumors around like Chilwell and uh Havertz over at Leverkusen, you know, you've, you've already got the rumor mill going of like, oh, they to offset that cost, they've got to sell someone like Conte. And uh, there's been no indication from Frank or from Conte that he wants to leave. Um, and I, I and I do think there are certain corners of the Chelsea fandom seeing him being uh, injured this year, thinking like he's he's getting closer to 30. Like, you know, have we already seen the best of him? And it's like, no, this guy's still in his prime. 
when when he's when he's you know fit healthy when he's when he's I mean basically when he's on the pitch he's exactly what you expect you know box to box midfielder he's all over the place um you know like Gary Lineker once said it's like you have two of them out there and that was definitely the case uh today and uh you know I'm sure Grealish was frustrated especially because uh he was fouled like what like nine times (laughs) nine times and the most a single player has been taken down since May of 2017 which I'm gonna guess is Hazard like it it had like that had to be a Hazard stat so it well we can talk and look about that too so Naz, good good buddy the pod at goal.com, he tweeted, Conte on Grealish, there was a part of the game, that was part of the game plan it seemed. Grealish was fouled nine times, which is the most a single player's been taken down since May 2017, to your point, Dan. More importantly, though, as I read through that again, I like the fact that we knew Grealish is essentially the spine of their team. Let's just take him out of the game. We've seen this in other sports all the time. Uh, you've you've got you see it in the NBA a ton. Um, that's uh, you Belichick, know. man. That's what Belichick does to every team. Take away your best player. Like we did it by chopping him down today. You know, you wear little shin pads. You wear old boots. We're gonna just <laughs> kick you around the park a little bit. It was good to see Chelsea do something like that because that's the shit that like the Burnleys and the Bournemouths would do to us and it would rile us up. Now we're taking that tactic to them, and so to me. Seeing that kind of dark arts, uh, those, you know, underneath tactics, because we had a, to your point, Dan, with Ed Nazard, where I think we had was Anthony Taylor or one of the referees finally caught on and ended up sending off whoever it was from Arsenal for... Was it, uh, well, no, wasn't it? Uh, it was United, United and it was right? Herrera, right? Yes. It was Herrera who always kept on like knocking yep. him and just I kicking I knew it was one of those pains in the asses. And he, well, Herrera got a caution before and they said, next one of you to kick him gets a caution. And it was Herrera's dumbass. Anyways, I love that. Good memory. But now we are doing this. It, I wouldn't say it was systematic fouling like we've seen potentially City do. It was very targeted. Uh, so City do it across the board to anyone just to stop the counter because they're so pressed. This was targeted harassment a little bit on the well, pitch. Well, I, I loved the fact that Conte also was willing to take the yellow for the team and take him down from behind. But that was the softest of the lot. Yes, but... The fragility of Grealish was like ice cream in the desert. He just melted and completely lost all composure after that. It was phenomenal. It comp- it broke any chance that they had of coming back in that moment. It was and Golcante had a wonderful return to form, and it was quite quite pleasant to see. Uh, I you know what it's. Um... Chelsea Youth had a really good tweet on that. Essentially, something about how Mason Mount way outshined Jack Grealish on the pitch today. And it was, you know, because Jack has been hyped up. He's had some really good performances, but he's in a bad team. So if Mount can outperform in a better team, I like that. And it kind of goes back to like, why go buy that player when you probably already have that player in your squad? Uh, which if you want to address Mount real quick, which I think we I think we should, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea Youth again, 1999 born, academy product, plays for his country, proving himself at the highest levels, two-footed, versatile, can receive possession anywhere, a proper talent, both with and without the ball. Mason Mount. Look, we got to interview him, Miles, and I can tell you, he is one of the most humble, fun, down-to-earth guys ever. He had a day. He had himself a day today. And if you look at some of those stats, I can even let you run through them. Uh, 
the 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 stats pack up the eye test today. Great day out. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I feel like if if there was anyone that could use a, you know a a self imposed break, it would probably be Mason Mount because you know he's he's the guy who's so important to the way that Lampard plays. You know he's got kind of unlimited energy. You know when he's not on the ball, you know he's constantly pressing. You know his work rate is exceptional. And I, and I do think even when he ha- has had bad performances that, that this season, that helps offset, you know, if he's having a bad game in front of goal or he's not creating chances, at least his work rate's always exceptional. And when it's all clicking like it was today, I mean, 11 touches in the box is exceptional. Um, you know, there was a terrific save by uh, Nyland in the first half to prevent him from scoring with his weaker foot. Um, and, you know, when he's, when he's clicking, I mean, um, it's funny. I remember when, um, you know, uh, Villa played us at the bridge, their fans are chanting that he was just a shit Jack Grealish, but um, with, without getting into a war of words on that, because we think they're both great players. Um, you know, he obviously silenced the, the Villa fans today. Oh, because they weren't in the stadium. But if they I were, know. where's the automated crowd noise were, for that? They, You're they just a shit been. Mason Mount. That's what the automated crow. FIFA crowd noise should have been. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd have been next level fan audio right there if you got that in well, there. I, I think what's interesting is, I mean, His you, facial you look hair? at just, the, well, we're not going to go into that. I don't want, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, all of us, I'm going to do one on myself later. I'm going to do a side by side of my old goatee as an 18 year old versus his. <laughs> and boy, it both are bad. Both are bad choices. I think the one thing I would say about Mason, it's just, it, it's so shocking to me that people think with the addition uh, of Werner and maybe signing Havertz and all these other players, if people think oh, Mason's position is the one in like the biggest jeopardy, Kovacic was the first person to come off in the substitutes. Like, let's just remember if you're looking at midfielders who got pulled off, Frank wanted Mason out there and what he does from an attacking standpoint that is a little bit different. Like, he is developing into being, I think, a really great eight. And if he can nail down the goal scoring part of it with a little bit more regularity, done. It cool. is so done. Kovacic out. Hashtag Dan Dormer says. That's exactly what I said. Tweet it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, though. I, I totally get it. it. We've always talked about his versatility. Nick, I was really surprised that Mason was in the midfield three when Ruben was out on the wing. To me, it seemed like those could have been flop, flip-flopped, but Mason held his own. He was in between lines. He, to Miles' point, he did not stop running. He was always looking for space. He's overlapping William back in the middle, making little runs to the end line for Aspie to try to find him. Uh, but again, his versatility was on show today as a central midfielder. Like, no issues. This team can't press without him is the is the long and short of it. I mean, if, if he's not in there, you know, he's just shown this sustained energy, and I think he's growing with Premier League football, right? I mean, he's still still incredibly young, uh, and we have to remember that. But I think, you know, from where he was earlier in the season, when I think he was kind of, you know, running at full speed for the first 45 minutes, and then you saw the performance kind of tail at the end, I think he's holding uh, better now. And I think he's, he's definitely growing into a, a really good Premier League footballer, and, and it's exciting to see. Credit where credit is due today, uh, you know, Tweedy saying Mason Mount, absolutely top tier. Angola Conte, absolutely top tier. And they're right. Those two had a great day. Um, Kovacic, not as much, but no concerns going into this match. Player of the season to to this point. So, uh, again, just figuring out the balance. And, you know, what? it's Villa, too. 
Barkley gives a little bit more attacking pro Like we could go at them and we were chasing the game. So I like that Frank could bring on different players off the bench and give Villa a different look as well because that's important when we talk about squad management. That's Barkledino to you, sir. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm. All right. Well, all speaking great, of just FYI, nicknames. That was Joe Tweeds. Don't blame me. I just like it. Uh, okay. Well, let's give some credit to the. Assist Piliqueta, Mr. Cesar, Dave Aspi. Uh, what changed in the second half from him? Which is a very leading question, Dan. And in the court of law, might even be considered inappropriate. Uh, but there's a tweet from Squawka here, which I find to be a little, a little fiery, a little interesting. Well, the stat being that no player recorded more Premier League assists for Chelsea this season than Cesar Aspilicueta, which is at five, uh, tied with William, which is an interesting stat and also a terrible stat. Correct. <laughs> the fact that Aspi has five and William have five, and you would argue that William has been one of our least impressive forward players this season. That's that's very scary. Um, but and no, we didn't Dave, even have Murata. Oh God. Uh, yeah, the only person we thought he could assist previously. Uh, he's been able to find uh, Giroud and Pulisic in quick fashion uh, this week. Um, no, I mean, I think he he took the, the game by it and, and really ended up becoming, I think, a much, much stronger force in the second half, Miles. He definitely responded to the fact that, really, they were kind of going at him, and you know we were trying to struggle in that last 20, 25 minutes when Villa started to say, like, oh, we can kind of come out of our shell. We can pop into attack we can try to press him a little bit and dave in the second half was really having none of it yeah and i mean uh honestly after the first half you know there was like a succession of crosses that weren't really going anywhere and i think at that point i was wondering like should we just bring reese james on because like you know especially if uh we're chasing the game like that's someone who can provide a bit more uh, you know in terms of crossing and and just in general creating chances and and doing things uh not that uh dave isn't a you know, an excellent right back. It's just um, when you're chasing the game, someone like James is someone you might consider for that. But uh, no, he, he proved himself. Um, he, he's, he's again, one of those players who um, even though, you know, he's one of our veterans, so to speak, even though he's not that old, um, he he's also one of those players who like Mount, you know, his work rate is exceptional. Um, he, was, he was still, you know, going forward with those crosses, nothing, stopped him and I think what helped as well was having someone like Polisic on it wasn't just he wasn't just trying to get Giroud in, in a sea of defenders like Tyrone Mings who are just absolute towers I mean uh lost his cheek you know he was rusty he wasn't really getting into good positions in the box and you know within a few minutes of Polisic coming on he found some great space you know from that uh Espilicueta cross and um yeah I think you know that was what changed things. I mean, those few minutes, Dave played great. Pulisic played great. Barkley was there. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a good team effort. Well, I, uh, Cesar assist Piliqueta deserves our plaudits today. Um, his first, his first assist was just really impressive. It was kind of the perfect ball and um, Pulisic made a really good finish. Uh, Cause I know he was kind of stretched on, on the, on the far post, but it was a really good cross. He did struggle in the first half with crossing and, and was getting lambasted by the uh, by the announcer for it uh, as well. But um, certainly uh, came in on the left uh, for a second one, which I think you know most people are are looking and going, "Why the hell is he over there?" Well, we just had a break, and uh, he made the most out of that opportunity and that positioning. And 
Uh, obviously, Ollie did you know a majority of the of the work there, but he had to put the ball through, and it was a really important, I think, moment for him this year. The fact that he has seven assists in all comps and five in the Premier League. Um, as much as we all talk about Reese James and his unbelievable crossing ability, you know, it's still kind of, you know, I think Asby having a, a say in where he plays uh, throughout the season. So I, I'm just, I'm really happy for him. Everyone knows that he's one of my favorite players on the team and uh, happy that his, uh, his insistence paid off, Brandon, I guess. Yeah. Look, he's the captain, right? He's the, the on the field leader, off the field leader. And, he's we knew he would never go down without a fight um you know and i'm not gonna hold this against reese you know in the long run but it was he did not cover himself in glory today we needed him to come on at the end of the at the end of the game and just run again i don't know what his fitness levels are but the amount of times he was dispossessed in a in in only a few minutes was not great so again dave saying to reese if you want it you you have to come take it i'm not going to roll over you know, the, the other thing that benefited Asby really well on that first goal, though, different from most of the other attempts that we had in the first half, is there were multiple targets running at mm-hmm. the actual goal. And so it flew over two or three other attackers who might, in you know, if the ball had dropped sooner or taken a weird deflection, yeah. potentially would have gotten on it, which in the first half, that was not the way, there was not coordinated running in that way, right? The attackers were isolated. They weren't moving in motion together. And so when you have three or four players all taking individual attention away, that is going to give you the opportunity to do what Polisic did and just basically be the beneficiary that every other defender was engaged by another attacking player. So that actually froze Nyland too. He couldn't come out and challenge for it or go get it uh, because of the traffic in his six-yard box, um, you know, because he he knew there's always another threat. And if he wasn't 100% sure, he had to wait on it. Unfortunately, he waited too long for him. It went to Christian at the back post, which I, I read on the fifth stand real quick. Christian's quotes: He's like, "I didn't even hit it well." He's like, "It wasn't a, it wasn't great contact with my left foot." He's like, "Thankfully, it went in." But then you, you know, so it's like, "All right, well, hey, good to hear it did though." Uh, and with that, you know, I think we should probably touch on our fellow American, Christian Pulisic. Uh, Pool assist is what Will Bleeds Blue said on Discord. So, mm. you know, it, okay, you know what? Mm. Goalistic was our, uh, I think, our hashtag we yeah, were running Goalistic was better. Yeah. Oh, you know, all right. Either way, just you have one good one and now you can judge everything else. All right, sitting on your um, laurels over there. More than, more than one good one. Thank <laughs> you very much. So anyways, uh, I think we're all kind of surprised that Christian didn't start. Uh, you know, he said he was healthy, he was sharp. Vanilla Gorilla asking do you agree that Pulisic should start from here on out also can we please insert reset at right back and move Aspie to left back Alonso brought nothing today okay let's focus on the Pulisic part of that tweet Dan because before the match Frank said when talking to Sky this the end of the season playing every four or five days whatever it is is going to be about the squad and rotating and I think he signaled a little of that intent today by maybe not starting Tammy, by maybe not starting Christian. Some of the players that you would have thought would be shoe-ins, um, you know, looking ahead to City. So should he be a starter from here on out? We would like to think so, but there's going to be limitations due to the lack of ability to get match fit going into this run of games. 
and then not the ability to even maintain whatever they have. Well, if we think about the fact that we have City on Thursday, we'll have Leicester on Sunday. So that's two matches against top four competition, one in the Premier League and one in the FA Cup. You would like to think that Pulisic is going to start both of those. You have also the consideration that William and Pedro are still in negotiations to see if we'll actually get extended contracts for them and will they play beyond the 30th or will they potentially, you know, is Pedro never going to make an appearance again for Chelsea? Is William maybe was that his last appearance? It could be possible in either scenario. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I would love for Christian to start. I think actually, Frank, from a man management standpoint, letting Christian come in and impact the game as a substitute worked so well for the way that he the type of game that he has nick where he can come in and just attack with pace and you've taken now some players that have been off for a little bit who are still getting back up to match fitness and he can just run at him for a few minutes and just terrorize a, a defense that was that was fantastic i think that he really leveraged christian well in here and actually like because on the flip side if he starts christian and christian doesn't score you know the monkey gets on his back for that one on this one, the opposite happens, and he gets all the praise and the glory for coming in and making an immediate impact. Yeah, I mean, look, Christian is a very versatile player. I mean, he, he can do a lot. And, you know, I think he's probably been best this year on the left where he ended up coming in and, and playing for a majority of that time. Uh, but he can also play as a 10. He could be out on the right. He played a majority of his time at, at Dortmund on the right. So I, I think there is positional flexibility there. And, you know, the, I think the best way to get some of these players like, you know, Christian and Tammy and, and Ross and, and all the guys who came in um, time is to give them the last 20, 30 minutes of a game, get that experience into them, maybe start them the next game just to find some balance and then bring in N'Golo Conte in the last 20 minutes to spice some things up and just keep the rotation going that way because, there's just not a chance, Miles, that these guys are going to be able to play all 9, 10, 11, 12, depending on FA Cup games, left in the season in a row. It's just not possible. Yeah, and especially when, you know, Calum Hudson-Odoi not available because of injury. Um, so having having William and Pedro available at the very least until the end of June at least gives him that ability to rotate enough so that someone like Christian isn't starting every match and um, – I think, yeah, to your point, you know, having players like Christian Mount who are also uh, versatile in terms of where they can play on the pitch, because, you know, Mount can also play on the wings. Um, you know, he could play as a 10. Um, you know, th that's going to be really important, especially because, like like we were saying, the, the Bundesliga injuries have been up like 200%. There's, unfortunately, there's probably a chance we're going to get a few knocks, you know, wrapping up the season in a very short period of time. So just having that uh, flexibility and also having, you know, a, a deep, a deep roster, you know, we might, mm. uh, you know, take out Kovacic and, and, you know, if, if we were in the lead, it's like, oh, you can bring on someone like Billy Gilmore and Jorginho when he's back from his suspension, that's another guy in the midfield. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to see it, but, you know, if, if you want to put Espoquet at left back instead of Alonso, you can, you could put Emerson out there. I mean, we, we do have options at least, um, and that's going to be very advantageous given the fact that, yeah, the matches are coming uh, thick and fast. So <laughs> this is wild. So we play Thursday, the 25th of June, then the 28th of June, then the 1st of July, then the 4th of July, then the 7th of July, then the 11th of July, then the 15th of July, then the 18th of July, and then 
We've got a break until the 26th of July. I'm, I would say right now, <laughs> right now, we should all put a bet on Christian Pulisic scoring on the 4th of July. Written in the stars. It's going to happen. <laughs> Pulls out a, a firework from his sock, lights it, Just. shoots it into a non-existent <laughs> crowd. Have you guys been getting a lot of fireworks in your in your areas? Not like oh, you yeah. guys. Our friends who live in Brooklyn and New York have been posting on social media. I'm in Minneapolis. It's quiet right now. Actually, you know what? There yeah. is this big commercial lot right outside my place. And on the weekends, this family always comes here and lights off like little ones, like firecrackers and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, random. I'm in I'm in Kansas and or Missouri, depending on what side of the state line I'm on. So <laughs> fireworks central, baby. There are big stands. <laughs> it's like... It's a whole deal. It is. It's crazy. We used to drive from Iowa to the Missouri border just to to buy fireworks oh, yeah. and come well, back. They have the illegal. They have the illegal ones down here. So yeah, nice. Mm. Blow your yeah. hand off type stuff. Uh, yes, I think Christian Pulisic scoring on the Fourth of July would be a good bet. Mark Worrell, I'm coming to you. You need to be my bookie. I need. I need mm-hmm. to place a bet. All right. Uh, let's see. So. Cool. We all think Christian Pulisic should start as long as he's healthy and rotate appropriately because, as I just listed, so many games in such a short period. Um, And I can't wait to cover all of them on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So after the match, Frank Lampard said he's really pleased with the performance today, especially as Villa had been able to play a game before us. He praises his team's movement off the ball and says we dominated. Uh, talked a little bit more, uh, you know, said, hey, look, we dominate possession, but we have to be more clinical. Insert Timo Werner. <laughs> Story of our entire season. Yep. I mean, that quote is the entirety of the year. I had to check the time on the tweet to make sure it wasn't from three or four or five months ago or six months ago. Oh, wait, yeah. it was actually from today. Yeah, but it was copy-pasted, just reposted. Uh, He said, uh, Lamps had a bunch of praise for Aspi Laqueta. Obviously, he played his part in the goals. He had a ton of praise for Christian Pulisic and Barkley, who came on and changed the game, so they've both been training really well. Uh, He said that the plan was to attack down the right, which is kind very interesting that he just came out and said it. Uh, And then also said he's delighted that Ruben is back playing and is in the team on merit. I don't know, Nick, if you texted or tweeted it, but again, you said the lineup is based on a meritocracy under Frank. We're seeing it, and he's talking about it publicly. And then lastly, Lampard said Pulisic was very hungry, having been out with injury. He will start games and will be a big player for Chelsea. And that is all from the boss. Check it all out on the Fist Stand app again. So we're getting all that. Dan, Chase on on, um, Discord... Says a big part of Frank's growth over the course of the season was him getting better at strategizing with subs. How do you see this affecting the run-in with more subs and expanded bench? I thought I was kind of surprised he waited on the second, and I thought he was going to play five players off the bench, but he ended up only bringing what four on out of his five. So he used most of them, but I mean the Reese James is a bit of a throwaway sub. It's just a waste time, really, at the end. I was surprised. I think we we talked about what the rest of the season was going to look like previously, and one of the things I thought might happen is actually Frank with Jody just going complete wild card and doing five substitutes every single game. Uh, we got close. Uh, I actually think uh, Atalanta um, in Syria was the first team to use all five subs in the most aggressive way possible this afternoon. Um, all five like at all once? All attacking. Yeah, like all oh, attacking. Aggressively, I got you. Got uh. you. 
I love Adelanto. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fantastic. Um, with Frank, I think he kind of talked about the fact that he also did have an eye on what was coming next. And so I think he was thinking, like most fans do, that Aston Villa, they are dangerous, but they also are not as dangerous as a Man City or a Leicester. And so... Now hold on, Dan. Hold on. Look, are you sure? I know Jack Grealish Let me is look basically like Kevin De Bruyne. Like, you, you put them next to each other, you can't tell the difference. Oh, wait, one looks like Arthur from Peaky Blinders and one is a, a international <laughs> superstar. Plus 40 goal difference to negative 23. What what are you saying? Yeah, one Pretty will be close. back in the championship and one is out of the Champions League. Um, so let's think about levels here. All so right. I, I think Frank will continue to use the subs in an effective way. You have to rotate in this scenario. I think, Nick, the biggest question actually I have before we kind of like round out the match is the area that we maybe haven't talked a ton about, which I think was the the center back pairing today and how will Frank rotate that one? Because that's probably where the, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, great that Chelsea's going after Kai Havertz, but wouldn't a center back be really good to go purchase today? And that was the, the common theme, I think, from people being actually super excited about Werner, super excited about other attacking links, but wondering what's going on in that part of the pitch. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a, it was definitely a difficult match for both of them. Uh, you know, between Christensen, it seems like every time he goes up for a header, he gets a knock, um, and, which I know is unfair to him, but that just, it's kind of what's in my head whenever I see him play. And the fact that Rudiger was having a really hard time passing the ball effectively today. I mean, he looked very timid and unsure at times, which is odd for a guy with his confidence and swagger because he has a, a ton of that in spades. So to me, it's going to be interesting because that door, <laughs> the starting center back door, both of them have been open all year uh, and no one's really slammed it shut. So would it surprise you, Miles, to see Zuma in next? Would it surprise you to see Tomori, when he's healthy, get rotated in? Probably not, right? I mean, you would assume that one or two of those guys will have a, a big chance to kind of make a name for themselves over the next eight to ten matches. Yeah, I mean, if there was one of these defenders who could take a stranglehold on the position, you'd like to think it's Rudiger. Um, he, you know, he's he's been injured most of the year, um, you know, before before the break and. Um, you know, I, I don't hold that against him, but you know, it's, it's been frustrating because, you know, there was a, a stretch, you know, in the fall where it was like, okay, so Zuma and Tomori, they look pretty good. Like, you know, Tomori, especially, you know, young, young player, you know, someone maybe with not the same esteem as like a, a Mount or a Hudson Adoy, but someone who, who looks like he could be a good part of the core for the future. But, you know, he had his struggles and, and, I mean, in a perfect world, we could get a new center back, but it does seem like we're uh, fixated on either Havertz or getting an option at left back. And, and it doesn't seem like getting a, you know, world-class center back is, is at the top of your priorities. But, um, you know, I think depending on how these final few games shake out and, you know, which center back pairings work, I mean, that's another thing to consider in the summer. If it's like, we're still seeing errors like this from, you know, each guy, uh, depending on how it's rotated. So it's funny, the the fall from grace, because Christensen was on a run. Everyone was talking about how great he was playing. It's never really been that my tune, I'm not, um, you know, the biggest fan of Christensen and just, you know, what he brings to the game and his style points. But you would, 
it's quickly how it's funny how quickly people turned on him. You take 105 days off, the recency bias wears off. Or Christensen was on a I don't know what three four match streak of playing well. He comes back has one mediocre or less game, and everyone's like, "Yep, gone out, see ya." And that's just part of it, you know. I think is the defenders. Neither of them made a mistake that cost us a goal. That's kind of the bar day one. Mm, that's incorrect. They both made mistakes that cost us a goal um, on the set piece. It was Christian's guy that scored. So I like. So I mean, dro- that's a fair. group effort. So they but dropped like, the mark. I was thinking more of the Sheffield United swing and a miss type mistake, yeah, or like yeah. pass it to a defender. But you're fair. That's fair. That's right. So uh, that's been a weak point of the team, though, all season, you know, to Dan's kind of original point. Well, it's a it's a grouping of center backs, all of which at the current point are the potential partner to a world class center back. Like no one is option one. Each of them is option two to pair with option one. And I think that's where the alpha. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we, we, we don't have the alpha in that position right now. And it's it's very telling that uh you know and people are attacking us for it you know ne- neither are good in the air um i think that's actually the most disappointing thing is just it, they have shown that they're not we, we really don't have any good center back early and it's it's zuma you know that he's the best one early at this point but even then when you look at like a van dyke and you look at like why liverpool are going to win the league this year like they figured out their defense to build on top of their great attack and you know we're going to figure out the conversion things next season with Werner and Ziyech, but we need to figure out this piece too. Or you just score six goals a game. Screw it. Give up two or three. <laughs> that's, that's the Atalanta philosophy. <laughs> there, there's that. You just throw all defending to the wind and not just don't worry about it. But that's probably not what Frank's going to do. I figure he's going to want a little bit more of a balanced team. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he addresses it as well because he has said – they are not done spending. Chelsea are here to ruin football. All right. I don't think well, he was the one who said that one, though. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can find that in the Fifth Stand app. I, <laughs> we know who we are, Dan. Okay? We know our history. So as we look at the table as it stands, which is a weird thing to think about, um, you know, Gabriel on Discord even saying, uh, how, looking at the table and just how massive of a win – Everyone around us dropped points. This was the weekend that we would expect Chelsea to drop points because everyone else did, but we didn't. We flipped the script. So Liverpool drew, but they still have a massive lead and it doesn't matter. They're just prolonging the inevitable, which is makes them even more annoying. So they're on 83 points. Uh, City up on 60 points. Leicester, again, losing. Losing or draw? I already draw. draw. They drew. Uh Yep, so 54 points. Chelsea winning on 51 points, so obviously within reach of Leicester. United, all right, dropping points, or did they earn a point? I, whichever one you want to say. Uh, they drew Spurs, so they're at 46 points, so now we have a little bit of a cushion there with five points. Uh, Wolves now equal on points with United in sixth on 46 points. Sheffield United after... Their poor run of results with the ghost goal against Villa and and then losing uh, to Newcastle are down to 44 points in 7th place. Spurs, 8th place. And I'm going to skip Palace and go down to Arsenal in 10th place on 40 points. Mm, and then uh, Norwich are gone. Villa are close to gone. But Bournemouth, 
27 points. Villa, 26 points. Uh, that's your 18, 19, 20. 17 is West Ham on 27 points and Wofford on 28. It's close down there. It's a mm-hmm. big pile of dirty laundry. It's not good. It's it's the bad, bad part of the table. Bournemouth looked especially bad this weekend. I, I will say, I, I, I tweeted this out. I just... I think they've done what they can do with that squad and that stadium. Like they are, they're, they're just lacking all sorts of initiative up front. And I think Eddie has a really good manager and has kind of maximized that, uh, their potential over the last four or five years. But I mean, they just, they don't look like they have a prayer right now, which is disappointing for those who like Eddie Howe. Can I remind you all that Everton are managed by Carlo Ancelotti and are down in 12th place? Great draw today, though. Tremendous. Yeah, I give him very credit. good draw from them. But, it, was, it was watching paint dry, but it, you know. But that is not good enough from them. Newcastle flying up the tables. They try to get taken over. Um, and Brighton <laughs> somehow going to stay alive again. Uh, but yeah, Bournemouth, man, that loss to them. Hmm. Not well, great. I mean, I, the, the points, though, right? Like, the whole point of the discussion is to say, like, Chelsea have eight matches left in the league. You you keep, you know, even if you don't get the result you want against City, right? There, there's a certain amount of matches you have to win to guarantee you're going to be in the top four for next year and play in the Champions League. This is, beating Villa was 100% one of those matches. You mm-hmm. have to beat Villa if you have a prayer. So to have a five-point lead over United as they play Sheffield United next, which is a another huge um, huge match in the top six, seven race uh, is going to be massive. And I, I think we probably consider Wolves at this point maybe our greatest threat. Um, and, and that's going to be a really interesting game at the end of the year. I hope we've already locked up our, our top four spot by that point. But all these matches really matter. And, and to, to win when everybody else is drawing or losing is a massive, massive coup for Chelsea. So I hope... I hope that cushion is just extended over time and we don't have to use it, really. All right. Well, as we near the end of this one, uh, Dan538 has updated who they think will win the league. Turns out that has not changed. And who they think will get top four. And it's interesting. They have adjusted because they're smart people with no fans in the stadium, their probabilities, I'm surprised they've only reduced it by 10% for home field advantage. Is that all us fans are worth? According to the statistical model here, apparently. But uh, I would say fans are invaluable to the game. All right. All right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so Leicester at uh, 95% probability to qualify for Champions League. Chelsea at 85%. United still at 74 I think this model maybe value them a little bit more i think wolves are a super easy run in but they do have a thin squad so i concede that point they've got a 34 percent probability arsenal currently sitting at one percent probability to make it in the champions league there is a likelihood that they will not have any european football and that would just be the perfect fall from grace and i know miles how would your dad feel about that um uh, he 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 has a lot of thoughts about the team. This is not good. <laughs> he likes Berlano though. Uh, that, that's about that's about uh that's about all the positives he can take away from this season. Well, that's not a positive right now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. 
It's like, oh, he's busy. <laughs> the only thing that annoys me is that I'll get a push notification whether or not Mesut Ozil's in the lineup. Is it, Why is that still a talking point? Who cares anymore? Like, that is all the media have to hang their hat on when it comes to Arsenal, is Ozil still. It's just, it's a problem. My My two best friends are Arsenal fans, as you guys probably know, and they are not in a good place right now, mentally uh, or emotionally. So um, <laughs> thank you to Dan for retweeting the AFTV clip uh, where DT just gets the push notification, stands up, rips his mic out, and walks away. I, I can appreciate that they live stream their world's ending week after week. It is quite hilarious. All right. Yep. Guess what? That is going to wrap us up our First match review on Project Restart. The Prem is back. I can't believe how excited I was. Uh, I had chills tingling up my back Was this we kicked off today. Uh, it just shows you how much we maybe missed this than we let on to. But, uh, Miles, again, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. It was great to have another new guest this season join us, another voice. Uh, so thank you for that, my man. No, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Good. Well, link in the description to his Twitter. Uh, and Dan, Nick, gentlemen, thank you as always. But the listeners, you are the best ones out there, whether or not you're checking us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may be. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. But we'll be back for Man City. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.